You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. Joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I think I think I've recovered from that uh, near late game heart attack the Bucks gave me. Um, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. But ultimately, <laughs> it was a winning time on opening night in Charlotte. So uh, I, I'll take it. I'll take it, Eric. Yeah, I mean, I, I did, I'd rather have that than than the opposite of it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I say that in jest, but obviously in Charlotte, we've seen that game play out, I don't even know how many times in the last four or five years. Like Kemba Walker gets hot and uh, the Hornets go down by a bunch because the Hornets aren't very good and their best player is Kemba Walker. And then, you know, when Kemba Walker has nothing to lose and starts firing pull-up threes and all of a sudden hits a bunch of them in a row, they come back. And, you know, that's that's kind of... I feel like in... I think Nick Batum said this in the post-game comments, but um, he's he mentioned something to the fact that, you know, like we played that game a bunch of times last year where... We're down by a bunch, then we get ourselves back around to where we want to be, and then we're not able to win the game. And, you know, um, just uh, as someone who watches purely Bucks games, or at least uh, specializes in, in Bucks games, yeah, I've seen the Bucks play that game against the Hornets a bunch of times. And, you know, over the last couple of years, they've actually won that game the Hornets have won that game because the Bucks can't hold a lead so I mean I guess you know you do have to you have to take a, a positive out of it that the Bucks actually won it um it might not feel like it and, and you know with a second half uh that was as ugly as that was um you know, I, I think you probably uh, lose some of the good feelings and great vibes that you had in the first half. Um, but ultimately, the Bucks are one and zero. Yeah, I mean, I think what was it the um, uh, the opener and I think it was Jabari Parker's rookie season. I think in 2014, maybe that they had like a really huge lead yep. and everything was kind of clicking, and then they uh, they ultimately lost that game. And they've had a, a it feels like they've had, like as you noted, a, a bunch of kind of narrow heartbreaking losses uh, in Charlotte specifically. And, you know, I mentioned yesterday that this is a team that, uh, you know, they had a better point differential than the Bucks last year. <laughs> so they were, they were yep. a lot less lucky though. And, and ultimately, you know, I mean, even when the Bucks uh, had some wobbles uh, late in the season, the, the Hornets, I mean, they, they just couldn't win games. And um, obviously, you know, nobody's thinking them as, as, you know, obviously not a contender, but um, I, I think, I think they are a playoff team or at least a playoff caliber team. Um, and we saw it tonight. I mean, you know, the bucks schematically, uh, I thought it was really interesting because, you know, it came out bucks, move, you know, 
passed the ball all over the place. Giannis was attacking. What you did, Giannis had like six or seven assists in like the first quarter almost. Um, I think he had seven assists in the first seven half. assists in fifteen minutes. Yeah, um, and they were doing kind of a great job executing the the game plan that we saw in the preseason. It was the preseason Bucks kind of doing regular their regular season version of themselves. And um, as the game wore on, wore on, we saw Charlotte. I, I think a couple things that are going to be major themes for the season we saw charlotte go to a much more switch heavy scheme and the bucks reacted by saying okay you're going to switch well we're going to you know have Giannis in particular but also have chris and you know have guys try to take advantage of mismatches and the result was it looked a lot more like last year's bucks right we saw a lot more kind of deliberate a lot less passing a lot less you know a lot more kind of iso type plays and and again i mean when you have Giannis going against you know mismatches whether it's you know like a Willie Hernan Gomez type or a smaller guy in the post look I mean you can live with with trying to exploit that if that's what the defense gives you but um you know we saw the Bucks offense kind of lose a lot of its kind of free-flowing uh nature in the second half and and part of that is because just the Hornets kind of what they did schematically kind of took stuff away and then um you know as far as being able to get back in the game you know the Bucks playing this kind of zone drop scheme where their point guards go over the screens and have to kind of fight to get back in. I mean, Kemba just, you know, I mean, you're basically conceding that Kemba can get a mid ranger whenever he wants. And um, he's so good at, at using that screen to also get a pull up three. And we saw him just start to bury a bunch of those. And um, again, that's a shot that, I mean, again, like it didn't really matter to some extent what Bledsoe was going to do or Brogdon was going to do. I mean, if that's how you're playing kind of stylistically or that's how you're handing the pick and rolls and, you're going to give up those shots. And the, the Hornets also missed a bunch of mid-range shots. So you know, I think in part, the math kind of worked a little bit. But then overall, obviously, they made a ton of threes. Um, and for as much as the Bucks were hot, the the Hornets obviously were were also hot from three, um, especially in that second half. So, um, you know, I, again, you know, the, the main thing is you, you scratch out a win. Um, but I thought it was interesting because, you know, the Bucks had to change their defense a little bit late in the game. Uh, they didn't go to like a you know, like the switch heavy scheme or something like that. I think Budenholzer is at least this far, thus far seems very averse to, to true switching defense. And um, obviously we saw that the offense may be susceptible to other teams switching. So uh, I don't know. We'll see if that's a, uh, a recurring theme this year. Cause I, I certainly could see that being, uh, you know, like some uh, question that we've come to often on, on both ends. To me, I guess the one thing when I think about switching that doesn't necessarily concern me a ton is that, like, and again, I shouldn't, I shouldn't assume this is going to happen because it hasn't happened yet. But you also get rid of those dumbass fouls, like those those ones on defense. He had two of them tonight, where the one rebound he went for, he like grabbed a guy's hip to go get the rebound and like, he definitely wasn't going to get to it. The other, like the other team was going to get it. And it was just like, don't, don't do that. Like stop it. And then there was the other one where he, he kind of jumped out on a, uh, on a closeout, got behind and then grabbed the hip again. And you know, freedom of movement follows. They're going to call those. And it was just like, you have those two and then, you know, like you can kind of deal with the offensive fouls that he gets. And you know, if, if teams do want to switch against him, like if Giannis has two falls, excuse me, has two falls um, as the second half starts, like good luck with that. 
um, because he's going to do what he did to uh, Billy Aaron Gomez and just put him under the rim. Like he can do that, but you know, he, he does get uncomfortable and this is kind of like early, early LeBron stuff where not quite to this extreme. Um, but you know, like when the Mavs put JJ Barea on LeBron and it was like, okay, well I'm a massive human being and I should just be able to go through him, but I know he's going to flop if I do. And I'm not really sure what to do. And I, I thought you saw Giannis with four fouls and then with five fouls, a little bit uncomfortable in those situations. But I would agree. I think you're going to see teams try to switch as much stuff as possible. Um, and you know, that, moving the ball doesn't look so great when other teams switch against you because that all of the cool ball movement stuff, the extra passes don't mean anything because there's someone covering that person. And um, I just thought, you know, this was, I, I, it shouldn't come as a surprise because I, I think as we laid out, you know, how the bucks are going to play this year, we both kind of mentioned like, okay, when you, when you play the Bucks, uh, you're probably going to find a way to make sure that Brook Lopez isn't closing out games. And some teams can do it. Some teams can't. I would not have guessed the Hornets would be one of the ones that, that could do it. But when you look at only having kind of Cody Zeller as your center, you might as well go crazy small. And and that's what they did with that. I, I, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen a smaller lineup than the one that they ran out in the fourth quarter where it was Kemba Walker, Tony Parker, Malik Monk, uh, Nick Batum, and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. Like that is that is an insanely small lineup. But you, the Bucks just weren't really able to take advantage of it. And you know, when you are trying to take advantage of mismatches and try to get good post ups for guys, one, it takes a little while. Two, the ball really starts to stick. And you know, three, you can get a little obsessive about it, where you're just only thinking about that and not thinking about running good offense. And and that was Mike Boonholzer's major complaint after the game was that, you know, the ball stuck a lot and they, they got stagnant on offense. And that can happen when you get stagnant on offense. So you can have a half where you only score 46 points. You can have a fourth quarter where you only score 20 points. So, um, yeah, I think the first half, I mean, you kind of looked at the ceiling and the floor there, right? Like, the first half kind of showed what this team's ceiling is that, you know, if you're going to play a lineup that the Bucks can play Brooke Lopez in uh, and they can plant him in the corner and put your bigs in no man's land and put your other players in spots where they don't want to be, they're going to be really tough to stop. And if you play smaller lineups or if you find a way to switch everything, which, you know, as you look at the top teams in the Eastern Conference, like the Celtics, they're going to be able to switch everything. So uh, the Bucks are going to have to find other ways to take advantage and have to find a way to exploit those defenses uh, when they do those things. Yeah, it, it, we saw a lot of, uh, you know, it was interesting because they tried to, it, Lopez had one post up where he just kind of outmuscled that small lineup for a basket early in the fourth. Um, but then they, they ultimately had to go away from, you know, that, the, the big lineup we saw seemed like pretty much the entire time down the stretch. Um, other than when Giannis got a, a brief blow for, uh, and, and again, he had foul trouble. So he had picked up his fifth foul. I forget what, at what minute mark. Um, but he did sit a little bit in the fourth quarter. Um, but for the most part, um, you know, we saw a lot of Ursan and Giannis late in the game. Um, so going to that version of, of a small lineup and, you know, we'll see. We'll see how how it kind of all works. Um, uh, you know, I think I think that's probably the most logical kind of small lineup that we might see. 
um, just because it gives you still a little bit of size with with Ursan, a little bit of rebounding. Um, still have some perimeter shooting with with Ursan on the court, um, but it's also you know it's not like you can just and again not that Bud wants to switch, but with Ursan like you you don't want to switch like Ursan er- onto Kemba. Ursan's feet have not gotten any quicker. No. Um, in in the time that he has left Milwaukee to the time that he has returned, his feet are not any quicker. Yeah. So, um, so it'll be interesting, but yeah, just looking at kind of some of the numbers here, just for context. So, um, offensive rating of 110, defensive rating 109. Um, so, you know, again, pro- you know, not like crazy offensive explosion. Um, you know, again, 113 feels like a big number, but it was a pretty fast paced game. So, um, you know, kind of, I guess you could say kind of an average offensive and defensive night, uh, in, in most respects, um, points in the paint bucks plus 10 bucks. Um, did not score a single point from the mid range. Um, uh, by looking at the four shot shots there, in the mid range, I think. Yeah, they took three shots in the. Well, actually, they're now sorry. Um, they shot, I believe, three dead zone shots basically um, all game, um, and they took. And I know this because uh, our friend Dean Maniat tweeted it out. They took ten corner threes. They gave up only one corner three. Um, so that that's certainly encouraging. Actually, no, they, I think they gave up. Well, that's weird. I'm looking at the shot chart. There's a Kemba Walker made free throw that's shown in the corner. That seems kind of weird. But um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, so the big um, big advantage in terms of shot selection uh, with the Bucks taking many more corner threes than uh, than the Hornets, and obviously we've gotten used to being on the wrong side of uh, of the math uh, in that regard. So good to see the Bucks mm-hmm. doing that. Um, taking very few mid-range shots, as I said. So kind of like, you know, outside the paint, um, they were 0 for 3. Um, and just for posterity, I'll tell you, Middleton missed an 11-footer, Brogdon missed a 19-footer, uh, and Bledsoe missed a 14-footer. So already that, it looks very different than what we're used to from from the Bucks. obviously. Overall, they go 14 out of 34. I think on our over-unders, um, you said 35.7, and I hemmed and hawed and eventually <laughs> said under because I thought 33 or 34, so game one, at least I'm feeling pretty good about that. But uh, On pace for we'll 44 at halftime. Yeah, they took a ton in the first half. I think they were 10 of their first 19 at one point I, I saw. Um, so obviously they kind of went away from it as the game went on. Um, fouls, 25 fouls, that's more than they had per game last year versus 19 for Charlotte. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if foul numbers overall are up this year across the league due to the kind of points of emphasis and freedom of movement stuff. Um, but I would say Charlotte, they were, especially with Giannis, I mean, they were, I would say, very physical. I would say they probably got away with a lot. Um, but, Bud, you know, again, Bud thought the same thing as you. Um, I After the game, I I prodded a little bit because, well, you know, that's, that's what I like to do. Um, and, you know, just kind of asked if, you know, there was a few more uh, that – you know, maybe could have gone the other way. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, like it was kind of physical. And then I, I followed it up with like, well, what, were there some where you thought Giannis was, was not quite getting the whistle that he did, or, you know, maybe there are a few more whistles you wanted in there. And he said, yeah, you know, they were being very physical with Giannis. And uh, there were, there were times where, uh, you know, maybe we would have liked to see a whistle there, which was, Yes, Eric, I'm I'm not going to try to get fined in game one. Um, but yeah, there was. A, and I would agree. I think it's it's really interesting to think about, um, and this is something that's always fascinating me, is like big dudes don't get rewarded for being big. Like Shaq 
could have got fouls called on other dudes all the time. Uh, LeBron was the same way. Uh, and I, I think we're seeing him with Giannis. Like it, <laughs> the, the thing that was killing me was like MKG had both hands on Giannis all the time. And I mean, I, I went through the referee training session uh, before the Bucks final preseason game. And um, as far as I understand the rule, that is definitely uh, hurting his rhythm, pace, and flow, or whatever their their couple of checkpoints are. Like they they were definitely doing that, and um, you know, like I think about the time that Giannis traveled. Yeah, he definitely traveled, but Kemba Walker pushed him with two hands before that, and that's not Giannis's fault that he's bigger than Kemba Walker and the Bucks were able to force a mismatch. Um, I was actually surprised neither Giannis or Bud got teed up. I thought. But, both of them definitely were fighting back. Uh, and someone else had mentioned that in my timeline, that it was comforting to see Bud go after an official uh, because, you know, a lot of the times Jason uh, didn't really do that. But I, I still thought, you know, they probably could have gone even more and maybe one of them could have got teed up, but they didn't do that. But uh, I think it would have been deserved tonight. Yeah, it was kind of a weird game because Giannis got, a, it felt like Giannis got a couple early foul calls and then, it was almost like they felt like, okay, well, we can't just keep calling fouls. Um, he ends up going seven out of 12, uh, which was not good for my mental health uh, either. Um, and, and, you know, again, like he wasn't great shooting free throws in the playoffs other than ironically in the last game, I think he was seven out of seven in game seven, um, but wasn't great in the playoffs from the line was not good from the line in the preseason um, over the summer. I think there was some talk that he kind of reworked, Reworked his free throw, um, his free throw kind of rhythm, his free throw um, shot a little bit maybe uh, with Ben Sullivan. Um, so maybe it's just so a little bit of an adjustment there. Um, but he misses four out of his first six tonight. Uh, fortunately, though, hits five out of his last six, including two very big free throws uh, that you know ultimately were the winning margin. So obviously that was encouraging. You know, hopefully seeing the ball go down. Uh, in those late pressure situations, um, we'll give him some more confidence and hopefully snap him out of the funk. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think he easily could have had 20 free throws tonight. Um, and instead, you know, you look at his line, nine out of 21. Um, that's very bad by Giannis' standards. Um, eight turnovers. Um, what did he have, like three offensive fouls or something like that? Yep. Um, just Also, you know, I was yeah. thinking, like, he missed a dunk tonight. And yeah. that dunk was like kind of a pivotal play, like because it turned yeah. into miss dunk on hit, or he misses that dunk, and then was it a three on the other end, or was that the Malik Monk dunk? Like it turned into a bucket immediately on the other end, and like that was kind of right when they're coming back. And uh, part of me does wonder, like if that dunk goes down, I think they might have been up seven, six, seven, or eight at the time, and you know if that turns into a eight, nine, or ten point lead, like does that just kind of shut the Hornets up because, you know, you get a dunk from Giannis and it probably wouldn't have, but it was weird to see him miss a dunk. And I, I didn't see any replays on it because obviously I was in the arena, but I would guess he probably got hit on it. Um, cause Giannis doesn't just kind of miss dunks. Um, but still like there was just, there was a lot of those really. Yeah, it was a little kind of a bang-bang play. I, I didn't see a replay either. Um, he just kind of back-ironed it, but it was it was a really kind of quick play, and it was challenged. And um, So I, I don't know if there was a foul on that, but there were a lot of plays where, yeah, again, I mean, there was 
a lot of contact and, and again, no call. And, and some of those situations turned into turnovers, um, some offensive fouls. I mean, eight turnovers is ugly, but you know, I mean, this is the beauty of, of Giannis, right? He's under the weather. He's obviously not having his rhythm. Um, he saw an early three, just rim out, goes over three from, from three for the game. Um, but you know, he kind of stayed attacking and, there were definitely periods there where you saw like, yeah, they, they just don't have an answer for him. Like early in the third quarter, he just started, started kind of going to work, especially with the switches and, you know, kind of sun Mike, uh, miles bridges and, you know, anybody else that the the Hornets (laughs) were putting on him, um, you know, attacking the basket a little bit. Uh, but you know, never really got, I think he was eight out of 15 at one point and then goes one for six to close the game. Um, so again, just kind of an out of sorts game for him. Um, the physicality, I think had something to do with it. You know, who knows, maybe the, the being under the weather certainly could also be part of it And, and just missing some, some gimme shots, right? Like there were just a bunch of shots where he just like, you know, got near the basket in the first half and it just like, you know, basically yeah. like rolls off the rim. So um, we will see much better nights from Giannis, but but even so, I mean, we talked about in the over-under podcast about why we thought his assists were going to go way up, why we thought, you know, he could have a huge season rebounding as well. And I mean, 25, 18 and eight on a night when he was like, I mean, I tweeted kind of not even that jokingly. I was like, this is kind of like the worst version of Giannis. And he put up 25, 18 and eight. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's yeah. kind of absurd. He was really inefficient. I think his true shooting was like 48 or 49% tonight, which is, you know, really bad by his standards. But um, again, you know, um, stepped up, made those big free throws at the end when, when the Bucks had, you know, basically behind Walker gone, gone behind for the first time all game. Um, and so that was obviously very encouraging. And, um, you know, we haven't really talked about the, the last sequence in the game. Um, but, uh, man, uh, yeah, the way, the way that game had been going and some of the threes that the, uh, Hornets had been making, I guess it was really more Monk and, and obviously Walker that were hitting all those threes, but, um, there was a definitely a moment of, of angst as I saw John Henson for some reason bat the ball out rather than just grabbing the damn ball, uh, leading to that wide open Nick Batum three that could have won it. Um, you know, th- that was the shot that in previous years always seemed to go in for the Hornets against the Bucks. Um, tonight, not even yep. close. And, and obviously the Bucks escape with a, um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know what to call it. A, a very, not, I don't know if satisfying is the right word, but um, let's just say I, I'm feeling a lot of relief getting out of that game um, the way it finished with, with a win and, and getting off the season on a, on a winning note. Yeah. And I, I think there's, there's some interesting stuff with just kind of the way that they were defending Kemba and, you know, throughout the preseason, we had kind of heard uh that Bud really likes the tone that Bloodsoe's setting defensively. And uh, I just kind of thought like it's interesting to think about how they play defense and then how Bloodsoe plays defense. Like in in tonight's game, he was really like kind of attacking Kemba Walker. Like he was very aggressive towards Kemba Walker, which was was kind of interesting because, you know, they're playing a drop style pick and roll coverage. Um, and, you know, they changed that a little bit at the end of the game with Henson coming up a little bit higher on the ball. But um, it was interesting because, like you said, it forces mid rangers, which is a great thing. But against Kemba Walker, it just gives him pull up threes because he's insanely good at that shot. Like, I, I don't know how he does it and how he like contorts his body and is somehow able to get those shots off. He's very impressive in that regard. But, you know, I just thought it was kind of interesting that 
that was their goal and that was kind of what they were trying to do. And it was in many ways kind of feeding into some of the things that Kemba Walker was able to do to hurt them. Um, but I thought at the end of the game to hear after the game that Mike Boonholzer was like, you know, like I was pretty happy with the way blood so battled and I was pretty happy with, you know, like I thought he competed all night against Kemba. And uh, when we asked Eric Bledsoe about it, he, he like looked at me like, kind of like side-eyed and was just like, I mean, how many did I give up? 41? Like, couldn't have had that good of a night. And I was like, well, yeah, I get that. But, you know, like Kemba Walker, like they're going to – you were out there like trying to pressure him and stuff. And he's like, yeah, like, but, you know, I still I still give up that many. And um, I don't know, it, it was just kind of interesting. But I did think in those final couple minutes when they did bring Henson in, they, they did a better job – taking away the three and forcing him into that mid range area or forcing him all the way to the basket. Like in that last, that last sequence, obviously I don't think you want to see him get that good of a look, uh, at the basket, but it was a contested look. It was a contested two, uh, and it, it rimmed out. And obviously Henson should have grabbed it rather than slapping it out. Cause I, he must've thought that it, there was, closer to like two seconds left rather than I don't even know it had to be like five or six I, I didn't obviously get to rewatch that but it, it was a long time because Marvin Williams corralled it and passed it to Batum and Batum got it off and I think it hit the backboard at the same time as uh, the red light went on so there was plenty of time there but I, I do think like you know they found some some ways to kind of counteract that and it was kind of funny that Thon Maker was a healthy scratch because in my head it was like, well, if you really wanted to change this this coverage, like Thon Maker would be the perfect person for that. And uh, like you know, the only time we've seen him be successful in NBA offense is when you have him straight up switch. And I don't think you want him to do that for the whole game. Uh, switching on to Kemba Walker is uh, a bit of a death wish uh, because he's just. I mean, the shake that he has on guys. Uh, you saw Dante DiVincenzo get ISO'd onto him at the end of the third quarter because Giannis had too many fouls and they had to get him away. Uh, and Dante was five feet from him. Um, so I don't know. Like It was just a, a weird situation that the Bucks actually came out on the right end of that one because it felt like so many times Kemba Walker has just hurt them and they haven't had an answer for him and they just end up losing, losing that game to the Hornets. Yeah. I mean, on the last possession where, um, you know, Henson was in the game, it seemed like they had a really good opportunity to like pre-switch, um, which, you know, I think has become more of a thing the last few yep. years where, you know, you see the guy who's going to go set the pick and uh, the guy who's going to go set the screen in order to put, you know, typically a bigger guy into, um, you know, into a pick and roll. And um, it seemed like they could have pre-switched Giannis onto, I think it was Hernan Gomez. Was that who set the screen on, on that, that late play? Um, may, maybe that was, was that. So. Um, but they, they didn't. Um, and as you said, they did change their their coverages a little bit um, in order to kind of bring bring that, that defender up, up further. So there wasn't really that, like, ability for Kemba to get that head of steam and just like, you know, tons of sort of open space in front of them. Um, Cause it seemed like early on it was, you know, turning into more mid range shots, which obviously you feel like you can live with, but then, you know, in that second half, it just seemed like they were getting the angles or the, you know, the screens were getting the angles, right. That he was had getting just enough room that he could pull up and you could basically snake around it and then pull up for those threes. And he's obviously 
tremendous at that, right? And and that's a tough yep. shot, right? Like you, you know, if you're gonna <laughs> really up, hard. If you're gonna give up threes, like you would want to give up, you know, off the dribble pull up threes rather than you know like wide open catch and shoot corner threes, which at least the Bucks didn't do that at all tonight. But um, you know, it, it's again, this is going to be kind of a trade off that that we'll see all season long, and we'll see how much they adapt in games when you know we see situations like this because I, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I mean, Steph Curry and Kemba are probably like the two, you know, most deadly guys um, <laughs> that way. In these, sort that of was like, Boonholzer's joke after the game. Is I asked him, I was like, "Well, how do you guys do better in the high pick and roll going forward?" And he's like, "Well, hopefully Kemba doesn't play all 82 against us." And it was yeah. like, "Yeah, like that's yeah. fair." Um, <laughs> and then he went on to go into like a, a bigger description, a longer description. But it's like, yeah, Steph's going to do that to you, and Kemba's going to do that to you, and you know, maybe Kyle Lowry a little bit, but he's not nearly as good as those two at it, but he'd probably be next on the list. A couple of things I wanted to talk about before we wrap it up. Obviously uh, I got a flight to catch in the morning, which is a strange thing to say. And uh, we should get this wrapped up. But um, uh, one thing that there's a couple of things that stood out to me, but offensively um, watching Mike Boonholzer ATLs are pretty fun. Uh, except, I believe that, there was except that one that Malcolm Brogdon just threw away late in the game. That was that, correct. That, that one, that felt was like, yeah, that felt like the vintage Joe Prunty. <laughs> yes. Bucks. But yes, otherwise, um, I, I, I would agree. It, yeah. In that first half, there was just one where, uh, the goal was to bring Middleton off of a, a baseline, uh, a double screen from the baseline. He was underneath, underneath the basket, kind of like a floppy action, except he wasn't choosing sides. He was just going to, come around these two screens and the Hornets read it and he flared to the corner and Eric Bledsoe somehow got it from, you know, the top of the key extended to the corner and Bledsoe or and Middleton hits a corner three. And it was like, Oh, that was a set for Middleton three. And they got a Middleton three. That's pretty cool. That seems like something that, you know, would be useful to use. Uh, so, so there was that. And uh, that was one thing that stuck out to me is, you know, just like kind of, kind of having that confidence that, you know, if the, if the bucks have the ball coming back from a timeout, I think you can expect a pretty good look like that. That is something that you can kind of look forward to, or at least something I will be looking forward to. And hopefully uh, all of you can be thinking about it as well as, you know, we, we get the the nerds together and look at all that stuff. And then the other thing I, I thought really stood out was early, earlier this week over at The Athletic, I had, uh, you know, kind of looked at some of the reasons why, like, having Giannis in the middle of the floor is good. And, you know, you're not going to probably see a lot of those possessions where Giannis clears out a, a side and posts up. And because the Hornets were switching so much, we actually ended up seeing – multiple possessions of that in the first half. And the, the thing that just was like, Oh, like that, that moment was when he did do that, instead of having all three of the guys that are standing on the opposite side, because obviously you're gonna have someone near the top of the key uh, to keep the helper away on that side. But on the other, on the back side, the, the clip I had shown had, I, th- I think the one in it, it was rich because of who I selected, but it was Henson, DeAndre Liggins, and Malcolm Brogdon. Um, but those three guys, two non-shooters, and then a third 
person that could shoot were standing essentially in an equidistant triangle, five feet apart, and with Brogdon in the corner, but two non-shooters in front of him. So if you really wanted to, you could have one defender guard all three. And tonight, there the three or four times Giannis got that matchup, and I still couldn't believe it because just thinking about Eric Bledsoe and kind of who he is and what he does in that situation. So often last year, you would see Bledsoe streak right down the middle. Like he would, he would try to show his hands to Giannis, get a cut. And you know, sometimes it'd work because Bledsoe can be a good cutter at times, uh, probably over eager, but Bledsoe went and set a flare screen for Middleton. And I was just like, what? That's it. Whoa, I, 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 okay. Like the, the message is getting through the, the thought is getting through that, you know, put Middleton in a spot where, you know, hopefully he can get a good look. And what ended up happening was I think Giannis turned baseline and was able to find Brogdon for a corner three, but those two other help defenders were occupied because you were setting a screen for a shooter that could get them into some action. And then every subsequent time afterwards, you saw action on the backside and it wasn't action of, you know, three bucks running towards the basket to try to get a cut. It wasn't a a big running on the baseline. It was guys setting back screens for each other, trying to stretch the floor out, trying to get threes for each other, like just good modern offensive tactics and strategy. And yeah, I I know our our guy Cole Zwicker tweeted it out earlier today uh, during the game, but he's like, it looks night and day in Milwaukee. And yeah, I, Watching that first half, it was just like, this is not even close to the same team that that you saw last year, and it was just way different. But again, that was some other things that stood out to me. Anything else you were you were thinking about in this one? Uh, it was nice to see Dante Divincenzo make his first two three point shots, confidently hitting a pair of not so secret threes. Um, <laughs> so that was shouts to Nick Monroe. Yeah, we got we got, we got a uh, we got a secret reference. We got a secret reference in the Bucks uh, Bucks <laughs> official Twitter uh, Twitter feed. So um, we've annoyed uh, the 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 good fine folks, uh, including Nick, enough that I guess uh, they're they're finally just broken down and are even referencing it themselves. So um, it was nice to see the hymn though get, kind of get uh, get off the Schneid early. Uh, Steve Von Horn got to. Uh, release his doves um, for for Dante's first three point shot, and you know the uh, what we discuss, discussed last night. You know, certainly one game in Dante Divincenzo, teacher's pet. We saw him late in the game get get some some time as well. Um, you know, he certainly he threw a pocket pass to Urson for his one assist on yeah, the night, and Urson yeah. like threw some yeah, weird floater at the backboard. Yeah, it was like the <laughs> ultimate like Urson like flip shot, excuse me, type thing. If it was another player, you'd be like, all right, that shouldn't even be an assist. But like with Urson, like he actually does shoot shots like that. Yeah, um, that's him. But yeah, I thought Divincenzo. I mean, he kind of jumped from too far out and got blocked from behind by Malik Monk on a, on a fast break as well, but also had another drive uh, to the rim for, for a finish. So um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, as far as, uh, as far as, you know, debuts go, especially given how poorly he shot the ball in the preseason and in Vegas, um, obviously nice to see the ball go down uh, early. Cause as you've said, if DiVincenzo makes threes, you know, if he hits 35, 36% of his threes are better, 
you know, you'd be, I think, pretty happy um, because he's yep. going to get he's going to get looks, and they're going to look for him. And obviously, and with this team, um, he's going to be encouraged to shoot those shots. So, um, I and that was one fine. of the ones that Giannis found. Uh, yeah. he had that post up on the on the right wing and threw it to Divincenzo, kind of cross court. Like, and that that I, that was like a big shot to me, where it was just like, okay. Giannis can trust you with that pass. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it's kind of interesting looking at the box score because it, it feels like the numbers in the box score are like a lot of the scoring and, and a lot of the numbers feel like pretty good proxies for what we are we might see all year. I mean, Middleton, you know, kind of a, a little quiet, but 19 points, nine rebounds, four assists, two steals, a block, hit seven out of 14, three of six threes, including one or two pull-ups, which was nice to see. Um, but so again, like very solid Chris Middleton, like outing, um, you know, Lopez, 21 minutes, 14 points on seven shots though. I mean, you know, he was effective, uh, when he was, you know, able to not be, you know, taken advantage of defensively, Bledsoe, 17 points on 13 shots, four rebounds, three assists, um, a couple turnovers again, obviously like, you know, he's not going to go shot for shot with Kemba, but that's, that's not the idea. Um, certainly that you want, um, Brockton was okay. Uh, I thought he probably was. Was he the the biggest over dribbler on the team? Maybe. Um, I think without a doubt uh, that that was what Matt and I kept saying was that you know in that second half like you you'd be like oh man the Bucks offense is kind of getting stagnant and and almost every time you said it you're like oh Mel yeah a lot of dribbling from from Brockton you got to move it yeah and uh, and and it, it's interesting right because I mean think like Bledsoe is a guy who has certainly last year had a lot of periods where it felt like you know he would over dribble and then settle for kind of mid rangers um tonight he uh, had a couple moments like that but you know now he seems like he's more interested in settling for threes which is which is good um he hit three out of five tonight um and off the bench Ilyasova, uh 13 points on six out of nine shooting nine boards to assist um he was a minus 10 um i don't i won't claim to know what's behind that you know again with these single game plus minuses you know especially if you're a bench player you just happen to be in when some guy gets hot and your plus minus can look bad. But I mean, he, he probably would have been around for that entire, he's probably, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. No, he, well, he was obviously in there in, in crunch time. Um, and, and DiVincenzo, as you mentioned, three out of six from the field, uh, eight points, two boards, assists, a steal, um, one turnover in 22 minutes. He was a minus nine. So kind of the bench was, you know, bench like, uh, Christian Wood getting off his, his maiden, uh, also a dove release game for Christian Wood. He hit an open, uh, I think top of the top of the key three. He only played five minutes, um, but did hit a three against his former team. Um, so, so yeah, I think overall, um, it also eighty four percent defensive rebound rate for the Bucks. I that w- was actually I was just going to go there. Yes, yeah. Um, overall, hundred percent um, in the first quarter. The Bucks had a hundred percent defensive rebounding rate in the first quarter. I, yeah. I don't think I've. I, I always tweet out those advanced stats. I don't think there was ever once last season where the Bucks had a hundred percent defensive rebound. And I mean that you need a lot of things to go right. Like you got to have the other team miss certain types of shots and not miss any close ones where they can get a tap in. Um, but it was just like I tweeted, like I did my normal like tweet out the stats, and then like I looked at Matt and I was like, "Is that right? Like, did they really grab every?" possible defensive rebound and yeah it was yeah and uh so that that's encouraging i mean that's something the bucks have been horrible at and and budenholzer teams have been bad at so i'm not going to read a lot into a single game good defensive rebounding night but obviously it's nice to see the bucks have a 57 41 advantage on the boards part of that again just because they shot the ball well um and uh probably the other downside i mean again just getting the sloppiness 21 to 11 
the turnovers with the Bucks plus 10 in terms of turnovers. Obviously, that was a huge part of this storyline and, and why the uh, why the Hornets were able to come back in this game, why they're able to stay competitive if, you know, it's an even turnover game. Um, you know, if Giannis gets a couple of shots to go down that you expect, then probably win this game very easily. But, you know, uh, that's that's not what happened. So, um, so yeah, you know, again, um, not a, uh, you know, not the barn-burning standout, everything going right game that, that, you know, we might have dreamed of first quarter, even first half to a large extent, pretty much delivered whatever you could have hoped for other than maybe Giannis hitting more shots. Um, yeah. But certainly from a team effort standpoint, we saw tons of things to, to like early on. And then obviously, you know, that second half, um, you know, maybe falling back into some, some bad habits, but that that's going to be the challenge, right? Is, um, is, is acclimating and, and adjusting. And we saw both teams make adjustments as the game went on. I'm sure the next game, the Bucks will potentially have to face some, some similar types of adjustments. So um, yeah, Eric, Congrats! Your first—is this your—is this the first time you've ever covered the Bucks on the road? Is that—is that true? Did you ever go down to Chicago? Mm, no, I never did. Yeah. So, first road game. How was it? Was it weird? Was it? Was it exhausting? I, I guess tomorrow is still potentially the the more exhausting day, but. Yeah, um, it was kind of exhausting. I'm t- I'm kind of tired now, but that's okay. Um, it was weird walking in- podcasts. Yeah, and it was weird like walking into a different arena. That's that's a new experience. Uh, like knowing, like not knowing where things are, that was a different experience. But it, you know, you figure it out pretty quick, and it's not like I'm gallivanting around uh, the entirety of the arena. Like I have a path where you know I'm gonna go to the media room and I'm gonna get my spot, and I'm gonna put my stuff there, and then I'm gonna go eat probably, and then. I'll do some pregame interviews and then I'll go back to my spot and then I'll find my spot in, in the bowl and I will tweet and talk about the game and then I'll go to the same spots after the game. So, um, you know, after the initial first, uh, first time walking in, it's, it's all pretty much the same. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was exciting and fun. I enjoyed it. And also, the fact that the Hornets had like nineties night and like we're playing nineties hip hop, which I, I tend to enjoy. Uh, so it was a good night. Uh, I had a good time. Did they have Coolio or vanilla ice though? Probably not. Uh, no, they had quick change at halftime. Oh um, I, yeah. You know what? I did see a little bit of that. Um, so that's, which that's is, surprising. which is a classic nineties, like halftime show. Classic um, all so. halftime show. Yeah, I guess I, I'm trying to figure out how far they went back. They were saying something about how it was like one of their first halftime shows uh, and it fit in with the throwback theme, but that felt like uh, contrivance to me. I, I didn't necessarily believe that. Like, I feel like Quick Change has been around since, uh, certainly since I've been alive. And I don't know if, if you would feel that, but I know as a kid, I watched Quick Change and I was like, whoa, that's, that's, a that's quick pretty change. wild. and. It really is a very descriptive name for an act where they change their outfits <laughs> extremely quickly, and I'm yes, yes, I'm I'm still curious how they do that. All right, you got to go to bed, man. You got a early flight. Um, we'll we'll talk we'll talk soon though. Okay, sounds good. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.